Our scripture reading comes from 1 Thessalonians this morning, 5, 12 through 24. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your Holy Spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Lord God, we just pray for this time, and uh, I pray that you would just set me... Sorry. Maybe I should have that. There we go. Lord God, we just uh, we thank you for this time, and I pray that you would just... Uh, move me to the side and just show your cross, Lord. Uh, would you speak to your people uh, a word of peace, a word of hope, uh, a word of love? And, uh, would you just meet us here today? In Jesus' name, amen. amen. It's interesting in Scripture, um, I think sometimes in, in the modern church, I'm just going to jump right into it. I think sometimes in the modern church, we get Jesus' primary message, his primary goal, we get it a little bit wrong. And here's what I mean. So, Jesus' number one goal is not that bad people start behaving well. Sometimes I feel like we just kind of preach that over and over again, like, like the whole point of the whole of Scripture is that, that bad people are supposed to then not be acting bad, and they're supposed to behave well. But that's not what Jesus is teaching. Uh, he teaches that. He gets there, but, but he goes through this major step first. And uh, I have a pastor friend of mine, and he put this little statement up on Facebook in the last couple days. And I thought, uh, it's so true, and, and if our people don't get this they are in real danger of misunderstanding the, the rest of this entire sermon. All right, so please listen to this part. And this is what the little quote said uh, that my friend put up on Facebook. It said, Jesus didn't come into this world to make bad people good. He came into this world to make dead people alive. Do you get the difference? He came into this world to make those that are dead in their sins those that are dead in their transgressions, those that are without life, he came that they, would, that they would have life, that they would have it to the full. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And similar to it, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. 
As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And then starting in verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ when we were dead in our transgressions and sin. It is by grace that you have been saved. So the question then becomes, when that is true, and that is true in our own lives, the question then becomes, and again, this is the second tier, the question becomes, how then should I behave in the world? When, when this is true, when this is uh, how we're living our lives, and, and we get it, and, and, and we were dead in our sins, and he's made us alive again, then, then should that impact my everyday life? Or, or should I just largely look the same? And interestingly enough, uh, that's not just a question for us in this time. That's a question that, that people in the Bible were asking too. So this, this verse for today, and it was read for you earlier, this is from 1 Thessalonians, and the church in Thessalonica was asking this question. If we go back to the book of Acts, Paul, uh, in his missionary journeys, he didn't get to spend a lot of time there. Uh, it was very quick, and then persecution came, and, and they were driven out. Uh, and, and the people in Thessalonica, they got the core of it. that They got the dead to alive part. But they hadn't walked with Paul very long. So they didn't really get the point of, how, how does this matter now? If this is all true, then, then how do I live my life? So that's what we're going to dive into uh, a little more today. And uh, those of you that have, been, that have been here every week, we're in a fifth sermon in a series called Start With Prayer. Uh, if you have not been here each week, do not worry. You will not be behind. Uh, this is all it is, is that our first step in all of life circumstances should be a step of prayer, not our last step. Often we treat it like it's the last thing. We do all the stuff, and then we say, all we can do now is pray. All we can do now, we just, we just kind of uh, just throw up one last pass and, and see if this one sticks too, because we did everything else. But Scripture calls us that the very first step is prayer. The very first step is coming before God. So when times are hard, step number one, prayer. When relationships are difficult, step number one is prayer. Not, not the last thing, step number one. When we get the diagnosis and the diagnosis is poor, step number one is prayer. And when our world is overwhelming and there's so much around us and it threatens to crush us, the first step we are to take is a step of prayer. No prayer sermon series would be complete, uh, I don't think, without 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. That's the entire verse. That, that's it. That, it's just pray without ceasing, or, or some translations say pray continually, or, or never stop praying, uh, but prayer, pray without ceasing. But yet, all right, maybe I should ask you to raise your hand. How many of you do that? You know, it seems impossible, right? What, what does it mean to pray without ceasing? And, and would, would the Bible really tell us to do something that's impossible? You know, it, it becomes this, this kind of rabbit hole of, of processes. What, what does this mean? Uh, so let's look at a little context here. Uh, I'm going to actually back up a little bit to verse 15. So uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, verses 15 through 18. 
Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So verse 15, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. So praying without ceasing is not a hard enough uh, standard. Now we are told that, that no matter what someone is doing to us, nor what we're feeling, what kind of, kind of evil is coming our way, that we are not to repay it back to them. That, that we are not supposed to, to take in whatever the world gives us and just give it right back to them. Even if we feel like we kind of want to. Even if that would be the easy response. Even if that would be, uh, maybe we would even say kind of the natural response. The human response would be, if somebody's being evil to you, uh, you turn around and you, you'd be mean back to them. I hope I am not the only one. Right? Okay, now there's some nods. Good. Because you made me scared for a second that I was, that I was just going to preach to myself <laughs> for the rest of this time. But it's a counterintuitive thing, right? This idea that, uh, that we're not supposed to repay evil for evil, that, that we're supposed to do good to everyone, no matter what rotten situation you're in, no matter who ripped you off, no matter who's lying about you, that we're not supposed to pay it back in the same way. We're supposed to live life differently than those around, around us. Not, not to earn our faith. Again, this is not, this is not role number one. No, number one goal is that the dead would become alive. But, but when the dead become alive, it, it affects them, and they, and they say, how do I live my life now in light of this new reality? And, and one of the ways is make sure that no one pays back wrong for wrong. But always strive to do what is good for each other. So praying without ceasing isn't just about some personal piety. It's not just about being a monk that moves out into the desert and prays without ceasing. It's actually written right here in, in the context of community. It's in relationships. It's in uh, these kind of complex social systems. It doesn't mean uh, the world is too complex, I move to the desert, I live by myself, and then I can finally pray or the mountain, if you will, um, unless that hits too close to home, then ignore it. Um, it. It means that in the complicated world, in our world, there's this list of things. So the next one, Paul goes on, verse 16, rejoice always. And if the first one wasn't hard enough, now rejoice always. You're being treated badly? Badly word? Yes, I think so. You're being treated badly. Return good for evil. And then rejoice about it. That's incredible. That's really hard. I hope you didn't come for an easy sermon today. If you did, we'll, we'll pray for you. 
When life's circumstances are going poorly, how can we rejoice? Good thing the verse doesn't end there, the, ch the chapter doesn't end there, because the next one is the solution. Verse 17, our verse for the day, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. If life is hard for you to live, if this kind of life, if this repaying good for evil, if this rejoicing always life is hard for you to live, then you better start praying. And, and you better not stop praying. Right? There's two sides of, of rejoice uh, continually or rejoice always or rejoice, or pray, sorry, prayer continually, pray without ceasing. It means also don't stop praying. Don't cease. This is very complicated English here. Uh, I know you can all do it. But there is a, there's a kind of a funniness to that, but it's true. Because how many times in life do hard things happen and we stop praying? And scripture says, no, 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 no. When hard things happen, when you're going through hard times, when you're going through all this and you're having a hard time just, just being nice to that person, the last thing you want to do is stop praying. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So the first thing I want to point out here is all of the, the every's in the all language going on here. The every's in the all. Do good always. Rejoice always. Pray always. Or pray without ceasing. Or, or give thanks always. Or or in all circumstances. And it's actually really interesting. When we look at Scripture, there's certain passages that are written in a way that you're supposed to be asking a question in your head. And we read it too quickly, we don't ask the question. But when we slow down, we ask the question. And the question for this series of verses is how. How should we live our lives? Do good always. And to everyone. Even when they're not doing good to you. How? Rejoice always. Find your joy in something other than how people are treating you. Find your joy in something other than what the world looks like around you. Then we say, how? How do I do this? Pray without ceasing. How? Be in this continual state of thankfulness towards God. And we can go backwards. If you are thankful towards God, then you will be praying. And if you are praying regularly, you will be rejoicing. And if you will be rejoicing always, then you will be doing good to those that are around you, no matter what comes your way. John 10, 10. I read for you earlier, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That sounds so much better than repaying evil for evil. That sounds so much better than, you know, I'm... God, I'm, I'm sure of my salvation. Uh, I, I got that part 
uh, checked off, and, and, and I know that uh, at the end of time that, you know, I'll be with you, but, but what do I do now? How, how do I live my life? How, but do you know these other people that you have put me on this earth with? I mean, I know you know me dearly, but have you met them? Have you met me? Are, are, you, are you aware of how we interact with each other? You know, and I've, I've joked about it before, but I'm a little bit serious that in the book of Acts, uh, it's incredible when Jesus ascends to heaven and leaves the mission to the church. And, and not speaking to you all, but have you met the church? But yet the, the church has been doing it. I mean, we're, we're in California. That's pretty good. They made it pretty far, right? But it has taken some time. But, but have you met people? And have you met people in my own life? And, and yet, you know, I'm supposed to live this way. So uh, I think if we can follow this pattern, and again, pray without ceasing, it's, it's in the middle of this. It's not meant to just be pulled out and be your verse of the day. And, and then you go, well, that seems impossible. Okay, moving on with my day. It, it's meant to be lived in this sequence here. So what does pray without ceasing actually mean? Let, let's go into that for a second, because I think it can start, kind of stay a little foggy, and, and then we can leave the service, and we still don't really know what we're called to do. Um, it could mean, I don't think it does, but it could mean pray all the time, like always be on your knees, always have this focused moment in your mind, where you're praying and, and you're always doing it. And if you're not doing it, then you're not following the command and, and you just need to spend the rest of your life praying. Anyway, how many thinks that's what it means? <laughs> uh, maybe, but yet that's not how we see Jesus live his life. And you know, the Bible's not going to contradict how Jesus lived his life. Jesus did other things. He prayed a lot. He, he made a regular pattern of it. But, but he also discipled his disciples. He also uh, walked with people. He healed people. He walked with uh, sinners and focused on them. So it can't possibly mean that we we're supposed to always uh, be in this constant state of prayer. But I think it does mean uh, that there's this life pattern that is a, a life pattern of prayer that we are supposed to live into and I'll describe it three ways here. The first one is this consciousness of God's presence at all times. That if we start ignoring who God is in the world, uh, we, we become people that don't pray. But, but if we have this awareness of who God is, and uh, you know, I have these glasses up front, right? See? You can all see. Now I can't see you. I, I see the world through these lenses. Some of you also do. You see the entire world through this lens and you make sense of it. Your brain makes sense of the world around you only through this lens. And, and we are called to have a different lens. Here, it's a lens that looks at the world how God sees it. We're, we're supposed to have this God consciousness in our own minds that see the world through, through God lenses. So, so when you see something that is good, your, your immediate response is to thank God 
for that good thing. Because, because of your God lenses in your glasses, you, you see that, that that is a gift from God, so you thank God. And when you see something that's bad, you immediately ask for God's help. God to help that situation. When you see uh, something in need of restoration, you ask for God's healing presence to be there. It's just natural. It's just how your brain is, is kind of flowing. You see something that's beautiful and you thank God for his creation and all that he has made. You see evil in the world and you ask for God to intervene into that situation. You see trouble and you ask for God's guidance. You see people that are in distress and you ask for peace to wash over them. Peace that only comes from God. So that's the first one, is that we need to have uh, this, this dependence that we are looking at the world uh, through this, this worldview that, that sees God's actions. And, and if we don't have that, then it's really going to be hard to pray without ceasing, because we're, we're not even registering that God is doing stuff here. Number two, we're called to pray repeatedly, and to pray often. Earlier on in 1 Thessalonians, uh, I, I don't always talk about the Greek and the Hebrew words. I could. Maybe some of you would like that. Maybe some of you would say, please don't. Uh, but this, this word, translated without ceasing, Paul uses earlier in the book of 1 Thessalonians. So he uses the exact same word. And, and we can actually learn a lot by doing this. So we're going to back up a little bit. Chapter 2, verse 13. Paul says, And we also thank God, this says continually, it's the same word. We also thank God continually because you receive the word of God. Now, did Paul thank God on his knees with his head bowed 100% of the time for the first for the church in Thessalonica. No, that, that would be a poor reading of that scripture, but, but he thanked them often. He, he thanked over and over and over and over and over and over again, repeatedly, continually, without fail. He went before God, and when he went before God, he said, thank you for this church. Thank you for who they are. And, and when he prayed, he prayed for them. He says, he says, when I prayed, I prayed for you in front of God. And again, it's the same word. So when we were asked to pray continually, it's, it's this repeated and often, never stop doing it. Oh, that's my next point. Skip that. It's, it's pray continually, pray often, pray over and over and over and over again without ceasing. And number three, don't give up on prayer. Again, no matter what evil has come your way, don't, don't let it be that you say, oh, I'm going through so much, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just done with this. I'm just done with this prayer thing. Paul says, no. It, you might have persecution, and they did in that church. They did. And, and that's who he's speaking to, and he says, repay good for their evil. When it comes at you, don't, don't let it hit you and affect you, and then you, then you decide, and then you react. He said, you, you act into the world because of the cross, not, not because of what's coming to you. The world's going to throw stuff your way. 
And, and you hear this from people all the time. Oh, well, they were mean to me. That's not just a junior high excuse. Adults, real adults, I know. They were mean to me, and it, and it hurt my feelings. And, and, I, and I reacted mean back to them. And, and here he says, it's okay if you're growing in that, but, but that's not the goal. You're, you're supposed to, to react in a way that comes from the cross. That no matter what they throw at you, that's not what judges how you behave. That's not what changes who you are. You are, you are glued to the cross. You're, you're, you're that person. You're a Jesus person. And therefore, out into the world, that you, you respond in this way. You, you are kind to those who persecute you. You are good to those who are evil to you. Because, because their actions don't define your actions. The cross defines your actions. Your relationship with Christ defines your actions. And that's why in Scripture, over and over, it, it often says, and then they will know that Jesus is Lord. Why? Because the world has said behave in this certain way. And when you break that, when you act a different way, they will, they will be taken back. They'll say, what is this? What is this nonsense? I, I was mean to them. And then they, then they legitimately like, sent me a Christmas card. And they, they invited me over for dinner. It wasn't even passive-aggressive. It was actually nice. It doesn't say be passive-aggressive to those who are mean to you. That's not, just, just modern-day translation for you. It does not say that. It says be nice to them. Repay good for their evil. And do not give up on prayer. Why? Because you, you won't be able to do this. You're not going to be able to do this Christian walk thing with, without, without all these steps. Let me read that passage again, starting in 15. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. A lot of people want to stop with the each other part. Because then you can say, well, we're supposed to be good to other Christians. We're supposed to be good within the church. I don't know if you've ever heard anyone twist it that way, but they'll, they'll say, well, we're supposed to love uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Not here in verse 15. Make sure that no one pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what's good for each other and for everyone else. How? Rejoice always. How? Pray continually. How? Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So the key to rejoicing always is to pray continually. To lean on God all the time and to never give up looking towards God. Again, this needs to, this needs to not, just, not just be something we think, it needs to be who we are. It needs to be who we are in this world. And I'll end with what I started with. This phrase that that a friend of mine 
uh, posted online. And, and again, it's another pastor, and it says, Jesus didn't come into this world to make bad people good. He came into this world to make dead people alive. So if you're bad people right now, and you're feeling the conviction to be good, uh, if it's a holy one, good. If, if it's one that says, you need to earn it, don't listen to that. If this is a gift. But, but this is also a gift that when we receive it, then, then it affects us. And, and we start living a certain way. And, and this, this is really uh, what pray without ceasing uh, is truly about.